Welcome into On Texas Football. My name is Jerry Hamilton, joined by Rod Babers. This is the first edition of many. This is the Quarterback Room, a weekly show Rod Babers and I will do, which is going to cover the University of Texas quarterbacks, their progression throughout the season, game-by-game basis. We're going to take a look at the opponent quarterback, which, of course, this week is JT Daniels at Rice. If you've lost track, he started at USC, Georgia, <laughs> West Virginia. Now he's at Rice. So Texas fans will see a very familiar face in DKR Saturday. And then we'll talk a little bit about Trey Owens. I want Rod's take on Trey Owens. I've talked about Trey a lot of times uh, over the last year. I want Rod's take on Trey Owens, the 2024 Texas commitment. Uh, that's what we'll do weekly. We may have a guest or two. Uh, from time to time during the season. Uh, but, Rod, let's get going. Let's start off with it's the season opener Saturday against Rice. Yep. Your thoughts overall on the health of the quarterback position in the quarterback room at Texas? Oh, man. Honestly, yeah, You at, at times we've had third-world problems uh, at the quarterback <laughs> position at Texas, right? We've been Way in quarterback hell before. Uh, that is not the case right now. I mean, I don't even know if you have first-world problems. I don't know if you have problems at all in the quarterback room. Uh, this is probably the, the best the quarterback room has been in terms of overall depth and talent since my days when they were able to stockpile a young VY with a veteran Chris Sims and a, you had a chance mock thrown in that room too. Uh, and, you know, obviously I'm not, you know, comparing them skill set wise, but that all those guys, I mean, those five-star quarterbacks you were talking about there with Chris Sims and VY. Um, so that's probably – that's his last time I can remember the quarterback room having this much depth and talent. And honestly, Sarek, you got to give him a ton of credit, man. He's in this day and age in the transfer portal and the NIL world that we live in now. It is really hard at that position because that position, it does demand more NIL dollars than any other position. And transfer portal wise, as we know, tampering. Yes, it's against NCAA rules, but it's like speeding, right? <laughs> right. You probably, you probably, you probably went over the speed limit today a little bit. We all did. That's tampering in college football, all right? Everybody's doing it. It's the most violated rule on the books. Uh, so, in that, it's hard to keep quarterbacks like that and uh, can stockpile them like Texas has done. Um, and I'll give Sark a ton of credit, man. It's, it's unbelievable. Uh, and we'll see Quinn Ewers this season um, what he does to, to really kind of so, st- start the pipeline that I think Sark wants to start for developing NFL quarterbacks at the NFL, at the, at the University of Texas. Thank you for that smooth transition to Quinn Ewers there. Uh, the man of the season. I, I'm not going to call him the man of the hour. It's the man of the season, right, Rod? Um, let's first get your overall thoughts on Quinn's first season. Uh, 2,177 yards, 15 touchdowns, six interceptions. We'd want to see that number be four to one in year two. But what were your overall thoughts on Quinn as a freshman with the understanding that his year at Ohio State was pretty much a throwaway year, right? You're handing off in practice. You're not really involved. You're far away from home. You should have been a senior in high school. What were your overall thoughts on Quinn's first season at Texas and in college football as a starter? Yeah, you definitely saw why uh, scouts, uh, guys like yourself, became enamored with Quinn Ewers and why he had such a high rating. I mean, that his arm, it, it basically can threaten any dimension of the football field from anywhere on the football field as a defensive back, just to give you an example. You know, I, I, you know, I, I watch film on quarterbacks and based on the arm strength, arm talent of the quarterback, there are certain routes. I don't have to defend. Right. If he's on the opposite hash. All right. I'm not defending the deep out route on the opposite sideline. Most quarterbacks, they don't, they can't make that throw. And if they do, 
pick six or at least Robbie, I'll, I'll attempt a pick six, <laughs> might drop it. But, you know, that's, that's going to be bad news for them. You, everybody remembers that throw at Alabama, uh, that throw versus Alabama, I should say. I don't even need to even describe it. Everybody remembers it where he's yeah. near the opposite hash, throwing to the opposite sideline to Xavier Worthy on a deep outcut. And it was everything that makes NFL scouts salivate. So you saw it. You saw the arm talent. But this is the issue for uh, for Steve Sarkeesian and for Quinn Ewers in the development and developmental track that he's on. When and that, by the way, that Bowman game, mostly he was been he was having to diagnose man defenses. That's right. Big Twelve when they presented him with a lot of pre-snap shell disguised looks uh, with different coverages, rotating safeties, moving safeties around. It was tougher. For him, the process, he had to he took a little bit more time. You can tell the pre-snap uh, reads and the post-snap diagnosis at times for him. It didn't line up or it took him way too long to really figure that out. And teams were were forcing him to process more. I think he got better toward the end of the season. But I think that's just when you don't play football and don't have the reps for a full year. Um, and I think now familiarity with the system. Also, that was a new system. So there are a lot of reasons why the processing for him may have been a little bit slower. He had a brand new system. Um, he hadn't played football in a while, haven't had all of those, of those reps. So I think we also saw the groin pains. Um, so we saw the high ceiling, but you also saw a really, you saw the, the, the floor in the basement of Quinn Ewers because of the struggles, I think, with being able to process the pre-snap reads and being able to connect that with the post-snap diagnosis that he had. I think this year there'll be a much more smoother process been able to translate those two things. And I think you'll see Quinn Ewers in the, with all these weapons. I think you'll see him flourish because the matchups will be so much easier for him to be able to, to diagnose uh, because the matchup advantages, whether it be JT Sanders or X-Man or, you know, Jay Witt or AD Mitchell, there are just matchup nightmares across the board presented to the defense. Talk, talk about this Rod as a, as a former, obviously uh, NFL draft pick at corner and a guy started many college football games. If one thing I thought Quinn lacked last year, look, along with experience and coming back from the injuries, wide receivers didn't make plays down the field for him. You know, a quarterback can't make every throw perfect. You got to have sometimes a guy's got to come make a play for you, too. As a defensive back, when you watch Quinn, did you see some of those same things and say, man, this is kind of a, a tough snowball starting to roll downhill for a young quarterback? Because he had to bail out his receivers, but his receivers rarely bailed him out. Yeah, I remember those plays, uh, and and they were, you know, they they were it varied from different guys, right? Sometimes it was X Men, uh, even J T. Sanders. I remember him dropping some crucial passes, potentially that could have been first down, kept drives alive. Uh, that's also Casey Kane saw some of those say, plays with him yeah. as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. I, he did not get any 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 help from his wide receivers, um, but I think for Quinn also there were times where. You know, I think his his fundamentals suffered. Yep. Uh, I think he, you know, he got distracted. He had a lot going on. All right, brand new quarterback, not a lot of experience in a new system. Um, but the footwork, right, the throwing mechanics at times got a little bit lazy with it, or maybe he just didn't focus or emphasize it. I think now you'll get emphasis on those things, even if it's a easy throw for him, that one he knows he can make all day, every day from off platform, any platform, feet footwork or no. Um, you, I want to see the discipline. Uh, with him uh, discipline in the the small the small little things that end up being you know uh, exacerbated in a game like pass protection setting the pass protection right my favorite quote of the offseason is Quinn yeah. was saying you know setting the right pass protection is just as satisfying for him as throwing a touchdown pass 
that is growth and maturity by a young quarterback because he understands you don't get to touchdown pass unless you set the protection right. The footwork and the mechanics, even on a swing pass, even on something as simple as a, a swing pass or, you know, one of those, those, those what are you talking about, the RPOs yeah. where they're throwing to the wide receiver screens, getting your feet set, the mechanics, all of those little things, I think, for him that will translate for scouts in the NFL are looking at it as growth and maturity on his part. I know it's routine and it's easy and simple and boring, but that's what makes you on a on a play-to-play basis a consistently good to great player is being able to master the routine. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, last thing on Quinn before we talk about Malik and then Arch. Um, what do you – okay – outside of the protection, right, and getting things right pre-snap, playing in the pocket. I, mm-hmm. I, I think every we've talked about Quinn so much in the offseason. Uh, playing in the pocket, what do you want to see from him? Because to me, one, and then last thing, two, what do you think personnel group, is it, is it, is it 11? Is there something, is it empty? Is there something that you think really favors him as a quarterback? Early in his maturity, because long term, he's got to be able to do it all. But early in his maturity, in terms of him in the pocket, you know, that this is what Sark wants, right? Sark's offense is built and constructed to operate on schedule. Right. It's, and he doesn't even like off schedule plays. He doesn't really like when guys have to operate off script and improvise, even though, hell, you could argue 30 to 40 percent of football is guys having to operate once the play breaks down. That's right. Um, That's actually when I worry about Quinn. Yeah. When he's got to get through the second progression in the read, this is when the play is the, the play is starting to decompose. This is when things are starting to deteriorate around him, whether it be pass blocking, whether it be the route uh, by the wide receivers. And that's when I worry about whether he can operate off schedule, whether he can improvise and make plays um, once the play breaks down, extend plays. And if Sark, Sark's definition of extended, he would, he would like guys, instead of scrambling, he would like you to throw, to scramble, to right. they scramble exactly. to throw. He doesn't want a guy just running out there. He'd write you scrambling to throw. He's, he always talks about he doesn't major in the quarterback run game. Yeah, and climbing the pocket and giving it enough time, right, before you yes. start being flushed. Yes. I, mean, I think that's one thing because Quinn got away in high school with throwing off his back foot because his arm talent. And a high school DB, there's not many guys that are going to do anything with that. I mean, he was throwing the ball over the head of DeSoto in a scrimmage when I was there. And yeah. even DeSoto guys that were lower D1 guys couldn't really react to it. On this level, though, back foot throws are interceptions, mm-hmm. especially in the NFL now. Yep. But climbing the pocket, showing pocket presence in your growth, I think, is just – it goes to what you're saying. It's going to be so huge. What, what about a personnel group? I mean, is there is there something you really like oh, with him? I mean, because Texas has more tools in the kit around him this year. Yeah, uh, you know I'm obsessed, and you said it to an empty formation. I, I think it works for him. I especially with this personnel that he has. Now, you can run empty formation out of any personnel grouping. Keep that in mind, folks. So you can use 11 personnel, one back, one tight ends, 12, 21 personnel, but you can just go empty, which is the formation means everybody's out on the line, up at the line as a wide receiver. Nobody in the backfield except the quarterback. And last year in the, or at least last season, I should say, in that bowl game, I, I saw that Sark started to utilize empty a little bit more with Quinn and yeah. he was seven of eight guys. He was dealing out of empty formation, speeds up his internal clock. Right. Uh, it, it actually cleans up uh, his uh, pre-snap read because the defense cannot, they cannot afford to, 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 to forsake their, uh, their assignment 
trying to give a get, get a good pre-snap read or uh, a pre-snap shell disguise. All right, so they have to get to their assignment, their alignment assignment right away, and you know exactly where the matchup advantages are. All right, you can you can clearly look across the board and see, okay, Jay Witt's matched up on a linebacker. Oh, JT Sanders is matched up on their third best corner or their fourth best defensive back. We could use that matchup. And based on the film study and based on all the preparation that Quinn and Sark have gone through, he'll know exactly where to go with the football. And it worked really well versus Washington. Like I said, he was seven of eight in that game. And he could run a little bit. Now, Quinn yep. is not a dual-threat quarterback by any means. He does have some functional mobility, and Sark doesn't want him to run. But even in that game, you saw he had a 12-yard run because teams are going to go man-to-man. Their backs are going to be turned. And when they give you that much grass, you like, I might as well just take it. And <laughs> exactly. then they're going to put a spy in there, and then they're going to go zero coverage of potentially across the board. And then you got your chance for big plays. So empty formation. I've been obsessed with it for a while, but I think for Texas this season, it could be lethal with Queen Ewers, and especially it'll be quick passes that are out quicker, high percentage passes. I think that might be the way to go. You might see it early versus Bama. Maybe not versus Rice, but versus Bama, I think you'll see it. And that's Rod Babers. This is the quarterback room, and I totally agree with what Rod's saying. And Texas has more guys that can catch the ball in the short game and actually do something with it this year. I think that's going to be key, and I think A.D. Mitchell making some plays down the field for Quinn this year. Maybe Isaiah Nayor, too. That would be a pleasant surprise coming up from the injury are going to be huge. All right, well, Rod, let's talk about Malik Murphy and Arch for a second because one of those two guys is definitely going to get in the Rice game. If not, Rice game hasn't gone well for Texas. Let's be real. Agreed. Uh, Malik Murphy, okay, just a rundown for Texas fans was injured in a state championship game his senior year. He had never been a super accurate passer, I believe around 57% in high school. He came to Texas. He had a long release, dropped the ball below the water. There were some things mechanically, uh, especially considering he's a 6'5", 240-pound pocket quarterback. He is not truly a dual-threat guy. He's a pocket passer. So Texas had to clean up the mechanics. They had to get that. Uh, they had to get that release much quicker, much mm-hmm. more tightened up, and not have that wasted motion. Because if you're a pocket guy and you have wasted motion, what your eyes see is going to be a split second late every time getting the ball there against high level athletes on in the secondary. So Rod would he's done better with that, right? He still hasn't played in the game yet. He was hurt. He was still coming off that injury his redshirt year, so he's missed a lot of time. The spring game was the first time he really got to show the cannon, right? That Mm. arm talent that people have been talking about. And he does have the strongest arm in the program. I don't think there's any doubt about that. As far as stepping into a throw, if there's a 15-mile-an-hour crosswind, I think he's got the strongest arm. That ball cuts through the wind. What have you seen from Malik? And what what would he have to do to be successful when he comes in the game for you? Uh, that's a good question. I'd like to, you know, that's a good, and I love the fact that you say he has the strongest arm. He does. I mean, he's got that X-man ability that you want to identify in a quarterback. What do they have that separates them from the rest of the quarterbacks, right? What's that, yeah. that trait, that skill, uh, and their skill set. And for him, it is, man, the, the, the ball just flies <laughs> right off his head. And yeah, that's no doubt. And that's what I want to see. Uh, I'd like to see the offense uh, open up with him a little bit. Let's show off that cannon. He can make those kind of throws. We know Sark is obsessed with the deep ball. He talks about it being a a crucial piece of his offensive blueprint. Even last year when they were one of the worst teams in the Big 12 uh, at throwing the deep ball, Sark said, hey, we've been working on it, and we're not going to quit throwing it because it's that 
is that is that important? All right, to his overall philosophy. And Malik fits that, right? It fits that he wants to stretch the field, and that's a quarterback that can threaten every dimension of the football field. It's something he has in common with Quinn. Now, his arm is stronger than Quinn, but that's a trait that you can tell Sark covets in his quarterbacks. I want a quarter. That's what he likes. I want that arm talent that can really open up my offensive playbook. Nothing in my offensive playbook, all right, is off limits because these guys can make all the throws. I can get really creative even with my route combinations where other quarterbacks are limited because this guy can make all of those throws from all different angles from any part of the football field. So I love that about uh, Malik. I also love his competitive nature. Uh, the competitive He's got some gamesmanship, doesn't he, Rod? He's got he some gamesmanship. He does. Well, just to stay in that room. You know, I mean, you don't have to do that these days. You don't have to stay there and compete. He definitely had opportunities. Like you said, the portal, the portal recruits quarterbacks now. No doubt. And, you know, I don't know the young man personally. I've, You've talked to people that know him in in different circles, and I've heard nothing but good things. By the way, uh, he's charismatic. He's de- definitely the, be- the most charismatic personality in that room. By the way, that's that's a room of with kind of understated personalities where. Yeah. You know, Quinn Ewers, he, he, you know, he's not a natural vocal leader. I've even heard because of the arch, considering how big of a brand the Mannings are, first family of football, you know, he's not on social media, you know, no. considering his age. Those guys usually are engaging on social media, putting out stuff all the time. I mean, you never even see him on social media unless that's some business that he's yeah. talking about or some foundation or charity or whatever it is. So he he's, you know, he, he's, a, you know, I'm not saying he's shy, uh, but definitely I don't think he's a guy that wants to be uh, outgoing. He's not the guy that wants to be the, the you know, the, the comedian in the room. I don't think that's him naturally, uh, but that is Malik from what I hear. That Malik, when he's in the room, everybody knows it and he's that type of personality. And at quarterback, that does help because you got it's a natural leadership position. But the competitive part, I love that about him, man, because I this is what I think. I think that he wanted to measure. He, he, didn't, he may end up leaving anyway later. Who knows? I mean, we don't know. Right. Uh, but and I think the competitor in him wanted to measure himself against Quinn. And then when Arch came in, uh, came on board, I think even more, he was like, all right, this is even better. I want to see where I stand. This is the highest rated quarterback in the modern era of recruiting, Quinn Ewers. And then I got another number one recruit behind me. I mean, I, I should have been a five-star, but, hey, it didn't work out that way because of COVID and injuries and stuff like that. So that's okay. I want to see where I am. I want to see if every rep that Quinn Ewers takes in practice, if I can do it better. I want to see if every rep that he takes for our drills, if I can do it as good, if not better. And maybe I'll win the job. Maybe I won't. But I'll, to me, I can prove it to myself I, that I am just as good as he is. And no matter where I go, I can still – I have that confidence that I can play at the highest levels with anybody. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. 
Yeah, and I think I agree with all that, Rod. And here's the thing, too, I would add to that. When you have a quarterback development resume of Sark, it helps a guy having showing some patience as well. Because there's not many places you could walk out the door early and go find a resume like Sark has. So I think that benefits Sark in getting these guys to stay and compete, too, because he's got the Mac Jones story, right? I mean, he's yeah. got – hey, the guy started one year, he's a first-round pick. If you're patient and you develop with me, really good things are going to happen. So he does have a blueprint for success. Uh, let's talk about Arch because we're not sure whether Arch is going to be the, get into the game Saturday if, if it gets to that point, if he's going to play a couple games, still hold his red shirt. We tend to think so if you, Quinn stays healthy, but we don't know that for sure. Um, I So I went down and saw Arch two or three times in high school. And the one, and then watch the tape. Obviously, I was part of the rankings process way back then at that time when he was coming up uh, nationally. And what I liked about Arch were two things, Rod. In person, and it's carried over. He's the first guy from drill to drill. The guy has he treats it game like a professional, a young age. And people are like, "Well, he should. He's a Manning." Yeah, that mean everybody does. There's been some pros, kids that have been the opposite. Okay, let's be real mm-hmm. that I've covered over the years. But yeah. Arch treats this game like a professional at a young age. He, he's, you know, anytime he's away from Austin, he's in Mobile with David Morse at QB Country working on his craft. So this guy, he's brought a serious approach from high school to an even more serious approach in college. That doesn't mean he doesn't enjoy his life and have fun and blah, blah, blah. But he's putting in the work as much as anybody, right? But drill to drill, first guy, quarterback sprinting from drill to drill. He does some of those little things. His first spring practice in Austin, I was there. He got off the bus and sprinted to the field. Not walked, (laughs) sprinted. So that's also a guy that says, I'm here to compete, right? I'm letting people know I'm more than a name. I'm here to compete. But the other thing I liked about him, Rod, before we get to your thoughts on what you've seen from him, and I think the spring game was tough because I don't think he was putting the best positions to have success, maybe for a reason yeah, uh, at times. You know, who wants that quarterback controversy all offseason if he comes in and, starts and throws a couple touchdowns? But he played under duress, Rod. Peyton, Eli, Arch, none of them won a state title at Isidore Newman. Those guys were the first picks in the draft, right? There's Isidore Newman gets to a point where they just get out talented in, in, in the second round, third round playoff game down there. But what I liked about Arch, and I like this about quarterbacks, Rod, they have to play under duress at a young oh, age. Oh, yeah. Agreed. If, if you're sitting there in the shotgun like Garrett Gilbert and you throw to your first read 99% of the time and he's wide open and you go 31-1, and one, that's great and you put up a lot of stats. That doesn't necessarily prepare you for what you're going to see at the next level. Totally Arch agree. was prepared because he had to play under duress in the pocket – outside the pocket, but it also gave him a chance to show his athleticism. So what have you seen from Arch that maybe you like early on? That's interesting you bring that up because I was going to – I was actually going to bring up a Bill Walsh quote um, because you're talking about how you saw him under duress and perform under duress and have to kind of use some of his natural instincts. Jim Harbaugh once sat down with Bill Walsh. He asked him, which everybody, everybody asked the late, great Bill Walsh the same question, right? Hey, what are you looking for in a quarterback? Help me, help me choose a quarterback. Because he once famously said, very few people can coach the quarterback position, even fewer can evaluate them. What he told John Harbaugh is simply athletic instincts. And when he was asked to describe athletic instincts, he said, it's an instinctive, spontaneous, natural response to situations that develop in games. And Bill Wall said, this is about 10 to 15% of the game, your quarterback's going to have to use his 
athletic instincts, his instinctive and spontaneous natural response to situations. This is kind of what I want to see from Quinn Ewers. In those 10 to 15 percent of the, the, the game, I need the quarterback to perform at a high, a really high level yeah. in those situations, right? Make plays. Don't, don't, you know, don't have those the losses or negative plays. In those 10 to 15 percent of the plays, I need you to make plays when you have to operate off script and you have to use your instincts and response. And I think for but what I heard about Arch and the little bit that I've watched, it seems like he's got some of that instinctive kind of natural response yeah. to situations. And it's probably because of the nuance of being, you know, brought up in a household with quarterbacks and great athletes and elite level talent. He's probably been, you know, programmed in the proper way to deal with those. He doesn't panic in those situations. He's looking to make a play. Um, and I, I, I like that about his game. And I've heard from others and you kind of describing it there too, under duress, how that natural instinct kicks in for him and he makes a lot of plays. Uh, so I, I like that about uh, Arch. I also like the fact that he runs 20 miles per hour. Whoa. I did not know. I did not know that. I, I, I saw the athleticism rod in high school, but I think he's just taking it to another level under Tory Becton uh, because that's that's next level type stuff. I mean, that means you're going to sit there. Yeah, that means you're sitting there, and you if you timed in the forty tomorrow, you're running four five five at two hundred fifteen, two hundred twenty pounds now. Yeah, but even a, even a four six, even a four six, if for a quarterback, that's hell, man, that's a threat. You got to put a spy on that guy. <laughs> and, and we're not talking about a six two hundred eighty five pound guy. We're talking about six three and a half, six four, two hundred fifteen, two hundred twenty pounds doing it. All right, Rod, uh, we're we're talking quarterbacks. This is the quarterback room. I'm Jerry Hamilton, joined by Rod Babers. Two more things on this first episode. We're going to get into the Rice Owls and JT Daniels. Um, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it. I think people have seen JT Daniels. He's played in the Pac-12, uh, the SEC, at the Big 12 uh, in his career, and now he's off to a fourth conference here. Um, and I'm not doing this to stat crush JT Daniels, but okay, <laughs> he's thrown for 6,947 yards in his career. I mean, he's played you know a lot of games. He's been sacked 54 times and has 45 touchdowns in his career in college. That's a tough, that's a tough number, and you figure it's going up. He also has negative 295 rushing yards oh. at negative 3.2 in attempt. So he no is a, He is a pocket passer, right? <laughs> <laughs> and not an elusive one. Oh, now, what have you seen from JT Daniels? What are your thoughts on JT? I mean, outside of having, I mean, as much experience as an offensive coordinator at this point. Hey, I mean, listen, he's he started at three different power five programs at quarterback. You got to give him props for that. I mean, that that's just something, especially at programs like Georgia, you know, West Virginia. You know, those are big time USC, big time programs. Uh, but I'm with you. He seems he's had very unfortunate luck. It seems like at those programs, whether it be injury or just bad timing. Uh, I'll say this for Rice he's the highest rated signee at any position they've ever had yeah. in the history of the program. So he's an upgrade for them. And Coach Bloomgren was talking about it. He was like, man, for us, we haven't had a quarterback. But guys, he, yeah, he, they, Rice hasn't had a season under Mike Bloomgren where they haven't used three different starting quarterbacks. So all he's got to do is – That's wild stat, Rod. That That's crazy? wild. You they got to – Inconsistently like yeah. that. Yeah. He's going he's gonna to bring some stability to that position, number one. If he can just stay healthy, let me knock on wood for him. And that's going to be tough. Like you said, this may be the worst O-line that he's been behind considering the stat you just gave. I actually think they're going to open up that game throwing the football a little bit. Why would you waste your season with JT Daniels if you're not going to throw the football? I know they want to run it, 
but I think you're going to see them throw it a little bit. Luke McCaffrey's the guy they want to throw it to. Uh, so at least he has a target. Uh, but JT Daniels, terms of competent quarterback play, he's, this is the most competent quarterback play Rice has had in years. Years, guys, are going back a really, really long time. So for them, it's an upgrade, Jerry. Yeah, no, it, it's an upgrade. It's an upgrade. And it'll be interesting to see. I, I agree with you. A lot of quick passing game. Yep, quick stuff. I think Rice wants him to get out of this game healthy. Yep. By the way, Agreed. so I don't think we're going to see this guy hanging back in the pocket uh, with a lot of long developing plays Saturday. No. I would, I, that would surprise me. I think they're going to try to condense this game. They know they're not going to win the game. I think they're going to try to condense the game, get out as healthy as they can, especially JT Daniels. All right, last thing this week, Rod, we're going to talk about Trey Owens, Texas 2024 quarterback commitment. He's out of Cy Fair High School. He started three games as a sophomore. As a junior, he became the full-time starter, had a really productive season for the Bobcats. It plays alongside Landon Rink, one of the top 2025 targets. His father, Shane Rink, played at Texas and is the D-line coach at Cy Fair. But Trey Owens, Rod, 6'5", 210 pounds, uh, makes all the throws, what Sark said. A but-a-pocket guy, very much like Malik or like JT Daniels. Not going to be a guy that runs, but more, maybe more so than JT. What did you see on tape with Trey Owens? Uh, I wrote down a couple of things here. I love his touch and accuracy on his deep ball. Yeah, He's got, and, and honestly, when you talk about X-Men ability, what jumps off the film uh, for him, what separates him, man, he it, it's touch and accuracy. Uh, it really is. It, it's strange enough, I'll make another Bill Walsh reference. I'm talking quarterback, so I always randomly start thinking of Bill Walsh stuff. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian actually got a chance to talk to Bill Walsh and asked him, hey, what, what do you look for in a quarterback? What's the number one thing? And Bill Walsh always had a different answer for everybody who asked that question, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and his, his answer to Sark was, does he throw a catchable ball? Yep. Does he throw a catchable ball? One thing about Trey Owens, it is a catchable ball. Catchable football. He yep. knows what type of touch and what, you know, look what little bit of touch to put on every pass, depending on if it's short, intermediate, or deep. I love that about his game, man. And he drops it right into the window. I've seen him put some velo on it. I've seen yeah. him in a couple of shots put some velo on it when he has to, when it's a small window. But he doesn't do it a lot. He really – it's an effortless throwing motion that almost seems like to me – it's like, man, you see some guys, they like they're, they're struggling to throw it. They get it there, but they like they're struggling to do it. Now with him, he looks like it is a, it's an easy, effortless throw. I think that's because his touch – he has so much emphasis on touch and getting it right, getting it there, but getting it there with the right amount of touch on the football and accuracy. Uh, I love this game. I wrote that down too. That uh, he's one, of, and I seen him actually stand in the pocket and take a lick. Take a lick. He Just did deliver the, game the football. I was at last year, and he it, it was tough for him to get up. But that, you know what he did, Rod? He came back the next series and stepped into the pocket again. I'll tell you another thing I really liked about watching him in person on tape. He's got a natural feel for moving left and making accurate throws. A lot of quarterbacks, you know, have to work on, okay, I got to do all these drills to make sure I get back square. He has a natural feel for throwing the ball on the run, on the move going left and right. I think that's interesting because that's something that has to be developed with a lot of quarterbacks, especially going left. He seems to have just a good feel for that, Rod. Yeah, you're right, because that footwork is tricky. And yeah. some guys kind of naturally get it. They can either, either with the torque of the hips or whether you're talking about the footwork to get everything reset. Uh, but some guys, they do it naturally. 
Um, and I don't know, does he play? Does he play baseball or the sports? Like he was that? a baseball guy growing up. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. It may have something to do with it. You know, it may be something to do with it. But yeah, you're right. I mean, that's that sounded natural, and that's something I noticed too. They move him around a lot. Uh, they'll roll him out of the pocket, and he is comfortable throwing. And I wrote that down too. Comfortable throwing on the move. Really comfortable throwing on the move, and I like that about his game too. So I, yeah, I, 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 he's in Cy Fair. Is it Cy Fair? Cy Fair, huh? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Hey, man. I play. We played against some of them side schools, <laughs> but I, I know the level of competition also right. is pretty that's damn right. good down there inside fair. No doubt, there's no doubt about it. And that's Rod Babers. I'm Jerry Hamilton. This has been our first edition of the quarterback room. It's going to be a big one next week, guys. We're going to break oh, yeah. down Quinn's game one performance against Rice. How much has he improved? Where did we see the improvement? What the second, third team quarterbacks did they get in? How much did they play? How they look? And then, of course, we got Jalen Milrow. It's an interesting – it's a huge game with Texas-Bama. But what makes this even bigger for the quarterback room next week, guys, Jalen Milrow was a Texas commit at one point in time. Yeah. And he was also committed to Sarkeesian at Alabama at one point in time. So there's a lot that we're going to dissect next weekend with Alabama. we got to look at multiple quarterbacks because we'll see. I think we'll see two quarterbacks for Bama this week. Uh, to get prepared. I mean, I don't think uh, Nick Saban has one guy and that's it for the season. About three weeks ago, I was told they really wanted Ty Simpson to go win the job. It does wow. not appear that's happened. But then there's wow. also the transfer from Notre Dame that's familiar with Tommy Reese's system. We're going to have a lot to talk about next week, Rod. Yeah. We well, won't have means. a special guest next week. But after Bama, we might look at getting a couple of special guests on the uh, kind of talk more quarterback with us. But again, this has been the first edition of the quarterback room with Rod Babers and myself. Thank you for joining in and listening. And we'll talk to you again next week. Welcome.